The world has gone insane. Cosplayers rule the conventions. Gamers dominate the tabletop and the internet. Sci-fi subjugates the movies and fantasy rules the bookstore with an iron fist. Only one group can bring order to this unruly mob. A team of uber geeks, masters of the nerdly arts, trained for decades in the hobby shops and basements of the nation. Mobilized by the secret masters, they are the Department of Nerdly Affairs. Hello, operatives, and welcome to the Department of Nerdly Affairs. I'm your host, Rob Patterson, here with my co-host, Don Chisholm. Hey. And tonight, we have a special guest. A media professional from India has agreed to join us tonight. His name is Rashid Narain Shakul, also known as RN. And he's going to be talking to us tonight about his career and about the Indian uh, media industry, specifically the Indian television industry. Welcome to the show, RN. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. Um, so, to start off, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the media industry in India? Um, well, I got uh, involved in media industry, not in India, but in UK. Oh, uh, really? Okay. Uh, I was uh, working for a company called Talbot Television, mm-hmm. which eventually got taken over by Fremantle. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was... Um, a company which went into game shows and till date remains the largest manufacturer of television software. So they own uh, formatted shows like uh, Baywatch, I Love Lucy, and so uh, right. Ginny, and so on and so forth. So right. that's how I, I started working for them first. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. And so when you first started working, what was your position? Uh, I started my career with them as a studio director Mm -hmm. and um, went on to become what is called the chief studio director, which is uh, and the executive director. Okay, so what does a studio director do exactly? Well, that's a very glorified name for basically somebody who comes to the studio and calls the shots and uh, what, Mm -hmm. um, what is to be shown on. Okay. Uh, the TV set, so which camera angle is showing the best and uh, mm-hmm. two shot or a single or if it's um, dramatically correct. That is right. assuming we're doing a drama. If it's a game show, do we have a money shot in? Do we have a cover shot? Do we have um, the the response and so on and so forth? Uh, basically, all that you see visually uh, mm-hmm. is done either live or live on tape. Right. So that's what the studio director does. I see. Wow, that sounds like a very stressful position. Yeah, yeah not really, but yes, it is. Uh, it does. Uh, you have a short shelf life. Mm. Okay. So do you actually plan out all the shots beforehand? Well, the, the, there are two approaches uh, mm-hmm. uh, principally. One is uh, you, that is a structured show where you mm-hmm. have everything formatted and uh, your shot divisions are done and uh, the sequences are done. And then uh, the second one is where you do it on the fly. So mm-hmm. uh, as things happen and you take those mm-hmm. decisions, uh, this would be more so in case of uh, news-like coverages. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we are looking at two extreme ends of the format. Uh, reality right. might lie somewhere in the middle where you have a structured approach as well as mm-hmm. uh, a mixture. 
Mm. Right. Yeah. Now, as far as your background goes, so did you actually do work in India as well, or was primarily just in the UK? No, I did work in India as well. I went on to become, uh, I was a camera person mm -hmm. uh, in India. Uh, initially, my first qualification was as a cinematographer. So right. uh, I started working as a, a news cameraman. Uh, oh. And uh, that's when I worked for a company called, uh, which is a cable network, not a cable network, sorry. Um, it's a wire service. And they had a mm -hmm. television um, service like Reuters Television and BBC. We had, mm -hmm. it's called PTI, Press Trust of India Television. So mm -hmm. I uh, worked for them, covered practically all the wars that happened during my time from Sarawi to disintegration of USSR, Czechoslovakia, right. and, uh, Cambodia, and uh, yeah, practically were, that's it. Were you a war correspondent? Yes. Were they actually sending you out into the field? Yes, I covered um, IPKF, that is um, Indian uh, Peacekeeping Force, so-called Indian Peacekeeping Force within Coach to Sri Lanka. I covered uh, um, the, um, Iraq invading Kuwait. In fact, I was there at the time when Mr. Saddam chose to walk in. Mm -hmm. wow. Then uh, I was um, there in fair number of uh, African states where the civil wars were on. Some of the longest lasting uh, really stretched out civil wars, which are still on in Sarawi, for instance. Then, right. um, yeah, yeah, I did war as well. Wow. Okay, that must have been very um, dangerous. Well, it was paying all right. I don't know what the dangerous <laughs> was. Well, yes, I hope they paid you very well for that. Yeah, yeah it was. Um, see, I don't know. Uh, jokes apart, uh, it, it it's a passion. See, one of the best things is my parents mm -hmm. never told me what to do. Mm. And when I chose, I was the first person, uh, most of my family members are from civil services and uh, uh, defense services. So mm. I was the black sheep out, but nobody objected and they allowed me to go uh, wherever I wanted and follow my dreams. As a result, mm. I never felt that I was working. Huh. Right. I was being paid for what I enjoy doing most whether it was a studio director, whether it was a cinematographer, or when it was making documentaries. As a result, I just couldn't understand why people want to pay me so much. And I'm the one who's having fun. So, and in process, I learned a lot. I saw a lot. Right. It was That's a whole... And that was it. So... Wow. Because that's a, that's a huge variety of uh, activities you did during your career from directing to being out in the field like uh i don't know if most people would have that wide berth of a, of a, of experience for their career i'm sure there are plenty it's not like that i'm not a unique person now but then uh yes i do take pride in the fact that uh, i got opportunity and uh, i made the best of it and i never said no hmm. and um it took me places. I've been to Antarctica, uh, <laughs> and then I've been to uh, uh, Nunkun, which are the fourth and fifth highest peaks in the world. Uh, when, right. Uh, covering an expedition that went up, I have been to uh, um, the Indochina border. There is a lake, Mansarovar mm. Lake. So there is a whole religious procession that goes. So again, that documentary I did. In a sense, whatever came my way, and they, and I was young. So, mm -hmm. 
and I was always passionate about meeting new people, seeing new lifestyles, cultures. Uh, I really wanted to know what makes them tick, even if negatively, mm-hmm. like Marshall Tito or Brezhnev or any of these fellows. I wanted to know why are they doing what they are doing. Mm, right. Uh, so, so that was. Uh, it was. I just don't know. I never realized I was doing anything great. Mm-hmm. Right. So, did you meet any um, people that may had a huge impression on you? While you were doing this, was there any people that you particularly stand out uh, from media or uh, political circles? Well, how about political people? How about political people that you met? So, out of the politicians, is there any that particularly stand out? Uh, see, the problem is uh, we all have our viewpoints, right? right. So, um, even when when we meet politicians, like um, uh, I did get a chance to um, meet one politician of India, the Prime Minister Indira Gandhi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, one thing I want to tell about her, not, right. not the politics. Um, this is, I had started my career as a camera person. Mm-hmm. And I was doing this coverage and she had gone to inaugurate a nuclear plant. Mm-hmm. And we were driving like crazy. It was there was torrential rain, and uh, we had a flat tire, so we got delayed. So by the time when we reached there, mm-hmm. um, the inauguration had happened. Right. And uh, and this was one of my first. You see, so I'm scared, and I don't want to go back and tell my editor I'm sorry. I could get mm-hmm. the coverage, and this is the time period in India when uh, nobody ever, ever thought of missing out a coverage of the Prime Minister. Mm-hmm. Um, she was Churchill of right, India. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> at that time, uh, and I was looking, I must have been looking very perturbed. And, uh, so she looks at towards me and say, called me, says, young man, come here. So walked up with, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, she says, what's the issue? So I said, I'm sorry, I got delayed and I will lose a job. And uh, I couldn't get your uh, whole shot of inaugurating this thing. She said, really? Then she turned around, spoke to her INB minister, and she said, we will do it again. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the, I don't know anything much about her politics. I will not comment on her politics. But mm-hmm. as a human being, I was very, very impressed. Likewise, um, mm-hmm. when... Um, Clinton visited India mm-hmm. when he was the prime, uh, president of America. Uh, right. Kenneth Conner, uh, during the Chogun meet that was there, then um, then I met uh, this gentleman uh, from Pakistan. Uh, the, not uh, the lady, uh, what's her name? Uh, she got assassinated. Benazir Bhutto. Yes. For Kyoto. And I found all of them, if mm-hmm. you approach them without bias... And right. you don't have any chips on your shoulder and not having any albatrosses around your neck. and you mm-hmm. They can be very, very warm human beings. Mm-hmm. And that's what I enjoyed. Right. So I will never forget that. Uh, oh, I believe that. I mean, wow, you've, you've definitely met some uh, exceptional people in your time. Yeah. Yeah, don't make it sound as if my time is over. 
And no, no, no. I mean, so far, so far, so I'm not saying that your time is done at all. I'm sure you will meet many incredible people in the future too, in your long life. Inshallah, I will really look forward. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So here's a question then. So how is news in India different from news in North America or the UK? Like how, since we're talking about the news system, how are, how is their approaches to news different? Uh, that question is easily asked and answered. Uh, if you'll allow me and indulge me mm-hmm, for sure. a moment. Sure, of course. How do you define news? If you define news by some valuable piece of information on the basis of which people are going to take decision mm-hmm. or make exercise choice which is enabler, which will democratize your options. Right. Then I doubt there is news anywhere in the world. Okay. News in India starts under a prime minister. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is independent India. But you must remember uh, media comes to India not during that time. It came around 17 80, that is 18th century, towards the end of 18th century, uh, right. uh, when we have Lumia Brothers films being shown in Bombay, we have uh, the Vernac, uh, press coming in. Uh, that would be the end of the 19th century. Uh, that would be 18, 1780. Okay. Not, not for the Lumiere Brothers. Lumiere Brothers were in the 19th century. Mm, okay, uh, that that is oh, I, I, you're right. Uh, I didn't mean it. Uh, well, in 1780 is the first press that comes. Oh, right. Okay. Sorry. Comes yes. into the organization. So um, what is happening mm-hmm. is at that, that time, India mm-hmm. is under a foreign yoke. Right. So please understand the agenda for the masters at that time was very different. Their concept mm-hmm. of what is news, what should be consumed, what should be given out uh, is very, very different from what people thought. So around 1780, you find uh, suddenly there's a spurt of newspapers which starts with two English dailies and uh, something like goes lands up at uh, 6,400 vernacular dailies. Mm-hmm. And by 1847, I presume, yeah. That's mm-hmm. the time when um, the, suddenly you find the newspapers are publishing things all over again, which are anti-British. Uh, right. Huh. Now, just because they were against a, f- a foreigner who had illegally occupied a country doesn't mean it was mm-hmm. objective. Right. Mm-hmm. So the news as an objective piece of information is a myth. Mm. So, uh, again, you find, depending who publishes it, there's an agenda. Uh, Why is it being published? And uh, do you think news is always there in what has been published? No. News is also there and more often than not is in what has not been said. Mm. So. So uh, what you will find, whether it was Czechoslovakia, whether it was United States of America during the Cold War or early mm-hmm. stages of the um, uh, Bay of Pigs fiasco, everybody was following and putting what they wanted the world to see as news. Mm. So in from that perspective, I don't think news ever existed. So it was always a propaganda which was there. And uh, that is why today uh, the prime minister in India, uh, you will find 
is busy hogwashing and giving mm-hmm. a particular coloring. Now, does it imply other countries aren't doing it? No, other countries are doing the same. Only think mm-hmm. they're doing it in more convincing fashion, in a more professional fashion, perhaps. That's all. Right. So, okay. So in that sense, I don't think there is much of a difference between how news is played out in India, how it is consumed, and how it is um, uh, distributed. is more or less same as the rest of the world. I can see that. That goes along with, I have another friend who spent 20 years in uh, as a journalist, a newspaper journalist here in Canada. And if you ask him what the news is, his response is lies and propaganda. <laughs> that's, that, very well. that, that's how he defines the news. Yeah, uh, it might appear to be a bit uh, skeptic um, point of view, but then uh, I'm sorry, that's the truth. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's look at media concentration. Mm-hmm. You will be very surprised world over. Uh, India is no different. In fact, no country is uh, different now. Uh, gone are the days when the local flavor made the news. Today, the ownership pattern is such that world's majority mouthpieces of whatever sort are owned by less than 1% of the top media company. Yeah. It starts with Time Water, goes right across you look at the ownership of Fox, there's a vertical integration, there is a horizontal integration. So uh, you thought you were going to Huffington Post and uh-uh, it is just an illusion that you can move from one place to another. But in reality, they're owned by the same people. Hmm. So um, <clears throat> that, that, that's a factor. And uh, there is this whole class of people mm-hmm. who want us to barter our services and get paid in certain sum of money. That money is used to consume the artifacts that they produce Mm -hmm. in whatever form. And that is how the rich stay richer and poor become poorer. And this is happening in US, this has happened in Canada, This has happened in entire Europe. It has happened in Africa. The scales may be different. Um, Today, you will be very surprised. One of the seemingly purely Indian channel, which is called, or television, terrestrial television and satellite, uh, Z television. There is a foreign partnership. Now, I've got nothing against it being foreign. I mean, uh, please don't misunderstand me on that issue. But then the issue remains... Who chooses? Who are on the board of directors? CEOs of the company. Banking officials. Advertisement office. um, The bureaucrats. Where is the journalist? Mm. Where is the program maker? How many uh, many Richard Attenboroughs or the other Attenborough, or were there on the board? Right. Uh, Nowhere. So uh, as a result, who do you think is preparing that program? I love Mm. Ginny, right? Right. What Mm. do you think is the message? I love Lucy. Right. Mm. Um, uh, There's a whole propaganda which will trigger Mm -hmm. consumerism. Mm. Right. 
and that's how it works and it works for both of, uh, all sides of the uh, spectrum for example when i give a sto- I carry a story which seems to be anti certain country mm-hmm. as a result people who watch it go get aggravated buy some uh, flags of that country and burn it mm-hmm. right then mm-hmm. that country's uh, newspapers or media outlets carry a story which is anti you mm-hmm. and it goes back and forth uh, no, yeah. no no who goes and buys the flag now i go and buy the flag and burn it right and who happens to be the owner who's making money Mm. not just a flag manufacturer he's a very small small uh player right, small hybrid of course uh, let's take a case of union carbide for example i don't know whether you can carry names like that but uh, maybe you would mm-hmm. like to uh, um, well this is your personal opinion so uh, yes we can yes, uh, let let's take union carbide for example mm-hmm. how union carbide was allowed to get away with murder not in india alone in certain african states as well Mm. how um, bp was allowed to muck around the gulf of mexico yes mm. oh they apologized no, well they apologized they apologized very nicely i know yeah. it really made a big difference i'm <laughs> sure the uh, the mm-hmm. uh, uh, environment is back in place <laughs> what's left of it yeah and i'm sure those uh, whales are now coming in again and so on so mm-hmm. what i'm trying to say is that people who are making money uh, are making money and they will continue to make money that's what media mm-hmm. is for and we right. are being kept on a kind of a, a drip right which mm-hmm. allows us to live in that make believe world where we believe we can make a difference mm-hmm. uh, right let's look at how many of us actually go out and work for greenpeace very few yeah and why is greenpeace so adamant about trying to ram all those uh, whaling ships um i would presume because they believe that it will make a difference they're trying but, to stop the whales yeah but how much of coverage do they get in international media very very little depending on the news cycle mm-hmm. yeah yeah Yep, that's that's the point I'm trying to make. So right. uh, 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 the players might change in North America. Mm-hmm. In uh, players might change in say uh, the the new parts of the world, uh, like uh, post fall of the Iron Curtain in India mm-hmm. or in Africa. But they all you will find are connected. Right. So that's it. Hmm. Okay. So ultimately, then the news is not reliable anywhere. It's all just. whatever information that the higher powers want us to know or will will put us steer us in the right direction well that is one way of seeing it but then there is another very very powerful media which has uh, come in late i think is perhaps um uh, of course the people have been moving in this is the new media uh, right. uh, where we find that um, now practically you and i um, can put across what we think is the fact or the truth right and uh, the discerning part of the consumer 
comes into play where he can uh, opt for various channels and say, okay, this one is closer to the truth or my perception of truth. So uh, in that sense, um, this new media has really revolutionized. It has taken the cost away. Earlier, what happened if I wanted to say something on television uh, or on a newspaper, the cost was inhibited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was totally prohibitive. In, in a sense, I couldn't dream of, uh, and my reach would have been limited to maybe a colony or a, or, or a block where I live. Right, um, yes. Uh, but with the coming of new media, you find that uh, today I can reach practically any corner of the world uh, with uh, bare minimum expenses. Yes, exactly. Yeah. With the power of the cell phone that's sitting in your pocket, you can uh, produce well, media of all kinds. Yep. Earlier, we were running around for media. We were chasing information. Today, information is around us. And you just choose what you want. And the Twitter goes, there it goes. And you start getting all that information. Or you want to go on any other social media. So that this new media has revolutionized. And, and, and I think it's the perhaps this where citizen journalism has really saved the day. And uh, so there is a hope that news is eventually not going to die and um, there will be people. But of course, then the, hmm. the game is being played where you first discredit the source. Huh. Right. So, so that nobody believes in it. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I, my, my personal view is, uh, this one might sound a little political, is uh, hmm. uh, like... Um, uh, portrayal of certain religions or a section of mm-hmm. income poops from a particular religion being mm-hmm. portrayed as a stereotypical representative of the entire religion. Uh, right, yes. uh, and uh, it's, how do you think these stereotypes are being perpetuated? Through the media. Yeah. Through the media. And it's not just the news media. There is a much more subtle thing that happens. If you see how Hollywood has been portraying, mm-hmm. uh, if you see how, why blame Hollywood? How India does it, how Middle East does it, everybody have their favorite, uh, what's it called, uh, um, uh, um, uh, you know, I was saying like, well, we have somebody, you name a dog and and then hang him. Uh, I mean, we basically have somebody whom you can beat and say, this is the... uh, rascal of the highest order and everything that is going wrong in my country politically socially culturally ethically in terms of morals you can very coolly and conveniently put it all across another that's what america did with ussr mm-hmm. during the cold war and that is exactly what ussr did in uh, reverse to yeah. the america so uh, this game has been played for donkey number of years and remember this is not did not start with eisenhower it started much much before uh, even americas were colonized by the europeans mm-hmm. yeah. so this game has been going on for a very very long time and it's part of our nature so mm. um, I, yeah i can see that okay well let's let's um change our focus a tiny bit. So you mentioned about, uh, since we're talking about like the rich and the poor and such, I have a question. Since you were involved with producing game shows um, in, when you were in India and, and the UK, um, I was wondering if you could talk about how, how do consumers feel about people winning big prizes in game shows in India versus the UK? And I'll give you an example. Here in the United States and Canada, um, if it's expected that people are going to win big money because your average person wants to see you know, your average 
person winning big money on game shows because that gives them a sense of kind of hope that they too can someday be rich. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Europe, I and I know in some Asian countries, they actually have game shows, but the the prizes are very small because they feel because the public actually feels that people should have to earn money and they get offended if they see people winning big money for answering stupid trivia questions. <laughs> so what is the difference in philosophy of the game shows, say, in the UK and India versus, say, the North America's approach? Okay. Um, um, this is, uh, the, of course, we must accept a couple of issues here, a point mm-hmm. here, that is, there will be cultural differences. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. But greed and avarice of an individual is universal. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, So it doesn't make a difference what is the color of my skin. $64,000 show. Right. It's going to get me closer to my dreams, irrespective of the fact which part of the world I live in. uh, We must understand these issues. Some of Mm -hmm. the game shows, let's take, uh, uh, since I took the name of $64,000, there was a film also made and how the whole corrupt uh, producers were selling and fixing the game show. That's another right, yes. a- a- aspect to it. But then right. the mm-hmm. fact is, uh, and 60, thanks to $64,000 show, uh, no game show has been allowed to come on the prime time after that. Oh, yep. Uh, I noticed that. You're right. Yes, because uh, it, 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 there's a history to it. So anyway, um, uh, mm. uh, coming back to the question, in Many of the countries, like you very rightly pointed out, there's a degree mm-hmm. of hope. Yes, I can be it. Right. This this carrot being dangled on a stick and we all go and there are certain societies which are extrovert in nature where everybody loves to see tears and joys mm-hmm. and jumping up and down. And then that that amazed feeling and oh and something wonderful has happened that cloud nine uh, <clears throat> it works mm-hmm. believe me it works in every single country right however some of the game shows may not have been able to garner as many rich sponsors mm. uh. one two the advertising agencies which really bring in this money Bigger, mm-hmm. the, uh, India had a one crore show, which was equivalent to, uh, I, I, I'm not very good at conversion, so uh, one crore oh. I, INR. I, I did that show, I directed that show, and uh, mm-hmm. the, which went on to become Khan Banega Karorpati with a very famous Indian actor, Amitabh Bachchan, as the anchor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't do that show, I did the show earlier. Uh, right. So uh, the whole idea was the money is huge. Not mm-hmm. everybody can win. Mm-hmm. So, right, of course. And what they did was, it was uh, to take that morality to be on a better uh, platform, it was not a chance game. Right. So there was a degree of skill. So when you're mm-hmm. being squeezed and you can answer on the areas of uh, your choice, expertise, uh, and you say, okay, I will be quizzed on physics and so on and so forth, it looked as if I have earned it. Mm-hmm. But remember, uh, and it worked. Then there was a show, The Price is Right, uh, Mm. which in India came, uh, we did it again, um, The Price is Right, we did the show, it was called in Indian uh, language, in the Tolmol Kebol, which is the same, it's it's a format show. 
Now you came, mm-hmm. you saw a product, and you guessed if you you're closest to that product, uh, the actual right. price, you got it, right? So uh, yes. Now it should have got very low TRPs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it had huge TRPs. <laughs> okay. So what hypocritic stance are we taking that people, societies feel and look down upon? It's sour grapes, my friend. Uh, <laughs> you <laughs> won. So well, what did you do, man? All you did was you danced. I mean, the India has got talent. Britain has got talent. Germany has got talent. Right. Pakistan has got talent. Everybody's doing the same show. Everybody's got talent, apparently. <laughs> apparently. And uh, still we hear some really <laughs> pathetic music. Uh, right, yes. Or transforms. Right. So, uh, no, it isn't that. Uh, I, I think um, uh, um, most of the societies, yes, mm-hmm. there are certain other elements. If you go into the, look into the sociology of it, there's certain right. introvert society. There's certain societies which do not believe in exhibition of certain emotions in public. So, mm-hmm. as a result, what happens is uh, there are certain game shows have not been able to click. But then what right. they did was uh, this uh, India Got Talent and this whole uh, Got Talent uh, thing suddenly took them out of that Uh, uh, discomfort zone so it was brought in within a a different uh, sphere where they could now participate and not feel bad about it that that, that's it Uh, that's what i think i may be wrong but then Mm. i'm convinced uh, most of the people are happy winning provided they get a feeling that they had a fair chance of representation and win Mm -hmm. and participation right once that happens um it's crazy. Hmm. Now, do you have any particular memories as a game show producer? Was there anything that really stuck out during your time as the, doing that job? Oh, I, I, I like to share one piece. Um, okay. Of, uh, which, uh, totally uh, apart from how I see the world today. Uh, at that mm-hmm. time, remember, um, I was young and uh, we were doing a, it. It's the best fun you can have with clothes on. Direct, right. direction is crazy it's 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 uh, because you make a choice and the world follows so you you know you're not supposed to shout you have this microphone on and mm-hmm. you are talking to something like 60 to 80 depending on the size of the production uh, people right. and uh, you just whisper mm-hmm. and with a flick of your fingers you're deciding who is going to be listening to that intercom and who is being kept out right uh, and you just whisper and they follow Mm-hmm. You play God at that time. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very exhilarating uh, experience. So what I want to tell you was um, uh, I had this executive producer who was also my um, uh, lecturer, uh, my professor mm-hmm. for television. Mm-hmm. He used to say, and I would say, you know, when will I become a real director? What is it that mm-hmm. I need to do? Do I, I've been working on my scripts. I know my scripts by heart. I know the format. I know this and all that crap. He's, he would always look at me with that and you know, very quietly smile and say, the day mm-hmm. you have become the director, you will know. So I said, how? He said, no, don't worry. And I was doing a show for GM Television that was in UK, uh, Fisherman's mm-hmm. Wharf, the, the and they used to do a breakfast show. It used to start at 5 o'clock at that time. So we would be picked up around 2 o'clock in the, early in the morning and get ready and do the whole breakfast show. So the, the breakfast mm-hmm. show was on what is called a hot seat. So like, I mean, the seat is always occupied by the director. Right. So one director or the other, different directors may be there. 
And uh, I came in first day. I tried impressing everyone. All those weird mo- camera moves and thing and nothing. Mm-hmm. And as the time went by, there was an interview, and I called for a certain shot. Nobody questioned me. Mm-hmm. That shot was offered, and the video. Editor, that is the techni- uh, TD, that is the technical director. He cut the mm-hmm. shot. My uh, executive director at that, uh, executive producer at that time, and he took me into. Uh, after this, I joined uh, Fremantle Talbot Television. He came running. His house. He used to live in Enfield, and this is uh, Fisherman's Wharf, right? Mm-hmm. He drives his um, car, comes, lands up half an hour later, and I see this, and he's a huge, huge man. Bob Robert Murley's uh, huge mm-hmm. man. I see to the glass, uh, um, the the whole PCR, what's so production control room. I can see him across, jumping up and down with his fists done, and I couldn't understand. So when my show was over, I came out. He said, "Today you are the director." I said, "Why?" He said, "Because everybody tra- trusted you. You mm-hmm. called the wrong shot. It was a horrible <laughs> shot. You had no bloody business to call for that shot." And they, nobody questioned you. They never thought you were right or wrong. Right. They just followed you. Right. And so you were the director now. And that day I realized hmm. what a grave responsibility you have. If things go wrong, it's your funeral. Yeah. And if things are right, it's a team effort. And even then, uh, to be very honest, when things went right, everybody got up and clapped for the director. So... It's it's just that moment when I realize, crap, man. Everything rests in your hand. An ordinary mm-hmm. show can look brilliant, mm-hmm. and a brilliant show can be made to look like mediocre or below par, mm-hmm. depending on what your mood was or how you chose to uh, call the shots that day. So that mm-hmm. is one thing which I always told my uh, students. Uh, when I became an educator, that is later on, after accident, I did go into uh, academics and serious academics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to tell, have faith in yourself. If you have faith in yourself and you know what you're doing, people stop questioning you mm-hmm. because they have placed their faith in you and they will just blindly follow you. And that's the time. You're right. the most dangerous part of your curve. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> So I'm sorry, it's really going down the memory lane. It's uh, it's really no, no. That's that's fascinating, actually. That's that's really interesting to hear. We I love to hear your stories about that, and that's really that's true. As they say, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, (laughs) and same with a little confidence. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Um, or a lot of confidence. Because well, a little knowledge and a lot of confidence is a very dangerous thing, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) you're right. You're very right. Um, so, okay, so back to India for a moment then. Um, sorry, that's an area that we and our audience don't know a lot about, so I'm taking the opportunity to find out a little bit from you about this. Sure, sure. So what kind of uh, sensibilities do you, do an Indian audience have? Like what, what kind of things appeal to an Indian audience compared with, say, a British or North American audience? Hmm. Okay, uh, well, there, there are obvious differences between the British and the North American audiences. Uh, mm-hmm. Canada being slightly closer to the British uh, temperament and uh, mm-hmm. 
choices. Uh, let's see. Uh, India has a very peculiar psyche. Mm-hmm. India, uh, people get offended very fast. Mm-hmm. They have, it's a land of huge diversity. Right. And this diversity exists in all forms, ethnicity to religious beliefs to, mm-hmm. I mean, you name it. And right. it's, uh, and uh, we're always very, really, very really not so sure whether we're playing the big brother or are we being uh, callous when we are saying certain things we want to say politically right. At the same time, mm-hmm. uh, after having said 10 statements which are politically right, we suddenly feel, oh crap, no. Why am I acting? Right. I'm a majority. Why am I going through a majority complex? Uh, uh, let me say what I want to really say. Why should I start acting like a minority? Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, why should I be bothered about the others? So at that time, I start playing the minority game. Uh, I become what is called, uh, I start acting as a minority. So there is a very peculiar. Then another thing is, uh, mm-hmm. remember, India has been a melting pot, literally unlike some right. other uh, lands uh, in the new world where people have uh, brought in their own fabric and the the, the, the weave which has come has uh, clear-cut strains of uh, different fabric being woven into one piece. India, each unit lost mm-hmm. its own original identity and gathered what was is called something Indianness. Mm-hmm. Now, with this element, you find there is a shared sensibility in terms of certain morality, in certain uh, aspects of certain ethics, in certain taboos, um, what is which has positive sanctions, which don't have positive sanctions. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, for example, today uh, in media, the whole the films um, which are coming out mm-hmm. address gay issues. Right. Uh, Again, lesbian and and, uh, this whole—all these issues are being addressed, and they are being considered. Eunuchs are being considered as equal, and there are people Mm -hmm. who are raising the issues, uh, like why shouldn't they join the army? Right. Right. Because Mm. they are supposed to fight, not do something Mm. else for which they are not capable of. So, uh, so, uh, but there is a whole huge section which does not want to discuss this openly. You get my point. So uh, yes. if anybody who discusses these issues openly, we are not so sure if this person is westernized. Should we, should we doubt the credentials of this person? Is he trying to import some alien concepts in our traditional society? Now, mm. unfortunately, India, which was evolving in a melting pot, means it had a whole lot of new ideas and cultures, whether it was coming from the China side, whether it was coming from the Arab world or Greece, uh, and so on and so forth, and they were being come and being absorbed here. Suddenly, somewhere, we decided we don't want any more new ideas. Hmm. Oh, okay. And that's where the tragedy struck. We stopped growing as a civilization. Mm-hmm. We stopped growing as a society. We became conservative. Uh, we started uh, looking down on widow remarriage. We started looking at uh, uh, child marriage as, as absolutely normal. If you uh, mm-hmm. if you are a widow, you're supposed to be burnt at stake. Um, 
Well, aren't you supposed to throw yourself on your husband's yeah, funeral, funeral pyre? But yeah, but then remember, uh, uh, that's, that's a very stereotypical image of the entire India. It doesn't happen that way. But unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, the isolated incidents till date, they're happening. Right. I have shot two of them. Uh, when I said oh, uh, on a camera, Rupmati and Kamar Singh, uh, these are the two uh, things that happened and I shot them, both were in Rajasthan. Mm-hmm. Now, people are sticking to these values with mm-hmm. a negative or positive immaterial uh, right. because they think people who are trying to change are implanted by the Western interests, which are primarily Western. Right. Now, this is another part of the psyche which has developed. Mm-hmm. Another psyche which has played havoc with our mindset. There is, um, uh, I shouldn't be saying R, I'm no more part of that, but nevertheless, um, uh, is the divide which has happened on very obvious terms, mm-hmm. which is dominating the Western world as well. Uh, as a result, what has happened, everything seems to be fair play when it comes to uh Riding somebody down Mm. and uh, caught in this are those people who feel obliged to take a stance, Mm -hmm. you know, this is wrong. The moment they do that, they're aware they will be run down as pseudo-intellectuals, pseudo-secular and basically enemy lovers. This sounds familiar. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. So the, the, these are the sensibilities which we have to be aware of in India. Uh, uh, unfortunately, what is happening is it, there is a west. There are there is a vested interest in keeping people on t- tenter hooks and hanging on to certain old age-old decadent traditions. When I say decadent, because they stop growing at a certain point of time. And that is how they are kept under control. The rural India is kept under control. Uh, semi-urban India is kept under control. And, uh, mm-hmm. and for example, you will be very surprised, um, Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Now, Valentine's Day is supposed to be anti-Indian. Huh. Is? Uh, I don't know how. Okay, I understand. Okay. Uh, Saint Valentine wasn't born in uh, India, but nevertheless, uh, don't tell me if, uh, Indians weren't uh, having an affairs and uh, trying to approach their people on whom they had crush or whatever. Right. Yes. So uh, now there are two interests. One has been portrayed as anti-Indian, anti-social. Mm-hmm because it is Western and undermining basic ethos, the whole fabric of Indian society, the culture. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, the very people from the very same land have commercial Mm -hmm. interests Mm -hmm. because that means cards will be selling, that means roses will be sold, chocolates will be sold, and people will be booking those uh, restaurants and so on and so forth. Yes, of course. It's a big business. It's a very, very big business. So you see, there is a clash. Mm-hmm. Now, this clash again, uh, you will find people siding with it and making money on both ends. Mm, of course. Yep. So, uh, there, uh, we, we, we are really, at the moment, I would say India is really caught in transition. Mm-hmm. 
they, since many of the values were not endemic to this part of the world in terms of how they got portrayed and uh, evolved, mm. uh, so therefore there are certain people resisting it and other people saying, why not? Yeah, yes. Uh, let's embrace it. Whatever is right, mm -hmm. whether it comes from East or West, how does it matter? Let's accept it. So uh, these are some of the areas. But on the whole, if you really see, if you really uh, move away from this uh, really dark, uh, pathetic um, part of our psyche, uh, we love to dance. Mm. <laughs> yeah. We love to sing. And... Um, it's very difficult, uh, and there's a genre which everybody's trying to portray the Indian cinema and uh, the whole uh, lifestyle as, as a musical. It's not music. Yes. It is not musical at all because singing, dancing, uh, music, so on and so forth is part and parcel from the time you are born till time mm -hmm. you die. Hmm. Each crucial stage is marked by a particular strain of music. Right. Huh. A style of singing. A celebration in right. in uh, both prose and poems. So as a result, what is happening is uh, you'll find if you come to India or you visit, uh, why just India? Many of the old world uh, societies, you'll find there's a particular music uh, which will needs to be played when you are born. Uh, as right. you become one year old, you're about to... Uh, taste your first solid cereals or whatever it is called, a different set of music happens, different kind of celebrations happen. So in this part of the world, we don't find it awkward when um, Indian uh, protagonist or a heroine suddenly burst into song sequence and start running around like two maniacal bees around a flower or a tree. It's normal. Right. But wait, the, wait, are you are you saying that if I went to India, I would see real people doing that in society? Oh, uh, no, it's it. it so it, it's it, not normal. then. No, no, no. When I say normal, because that's how it is portrayed okay. through the folk culture. Right. OK. Now, uh, the celebration is please understand when we have these many of these uh, traditions that we celebrate are basically releases. They're cathartic releases that we undergo. Uh, what happens? Let's take the myth of Krishna and uh, how he had uh, X number of uh, um, the lovers and uh, how he sang and he danced. And then there is a whole musical tradition which lasts about a month. Uh, then mm -hmm. uh, you have various uh, festivals where you openly dance. Yes. Right. Uh, when uh, anybody is getting married, you will see there's a band, uh, a procession up there in the front and right behind this fellow, there are whole ching bang which is dancing away to glory, even if it's spasmodic gyrations. Right. It's the dancing. Yes, you will see that all the time. Yeah, you may not see them running around the trees and singing those love songs, but then what happens is, in this is where Indian cinema and radio came in. Uh, mm -hmm. Those were the voices that they would like to sing oh, in that right. in that wonderful uh, uh, beautiful voices that uh, could voice those sentiments. So what they would do is they'll put the CD on, they would put the radio on, they'll put the TV on and mime that song to the person. And now I'm not saying you will see this all the time, but then that's how it mm -hmm. happens. So uh, 
And uh, for example, um, one of the craziest thing that we do is when we are not, when we're feeling down or like when my wife has done, has done something and I'm not very happy. So what I'll do is I'll deliberately go to, onto the internet and uh, tune into a channel which is playing one of those pathetic, tragic songs. And that will mind it out. <laughs> now, that, and uh, it might look very melodramatic to somebody else. But then for us, it's normal. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so, um, so uh, in that sense, it's normal. In a sense, uh, we have uh, there's a concept of rodali. When somebody dies, there is a whole mm. song and dance—not uh, a dance, song and uh, music—which uh, right. is a kind of a cry of anguish for having right. lost someone. That's a huge, huge musical tradition. Right. And it is done when people die. So uh, in many of the places where there are professional people who land up and who do just that. Of course, the times are changing, but then uh, in, uh, in rural India, you will still find it. So these are the, some of the areas that I would say are there. And otherwise, mm-hmm. uh, why do you think uh, Mr. Uh, what's Kapoor would have been invited by uh, British cinema to do uh, mm-hmm. Queen Elizabeth? Right. Yes. Why? Why would they want uh, Moulin Rouge? Um, was it Moulin Rouge where he was again called into so, so that whole Bombay Bollywood kind of uh, dance and drama was done? Um, so uh, it, it's a tradition. That's we do it yeah. every day. Right. Hmm. Well, there's uh, music and dance is part of your culture. Okay, that makes sense. Well, it's, yeah. it's kind. Of, oh, it's interesting yeah. too. Um, up until about the late '60s, early '70s, like here in North America. Um, I think you'd see like similar attitudes and you'd see similar, similar undertakings. And again, our entertainment, you did have a lot of, um, what we would call musicals or yeah. musical interludes. Mm. That's true. Yeah. But I think, were, oh, sorry. go ahead. Yes. yes. No, 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 I'm sorry. You had, uh, I was well, uh, saying you had uh, singing in the rain, you had yeah. uh, sound of music and, and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. Uh, it has been part of human, it is part of human culture. Mm-hmm. We do want to sing when we are happy, and we do want to sing at times when we're not so happy. Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, so uh, uh, I won't really say India is unique in that sense. Only thing is, mm-hmm. I think we overindulge in that part. <laughs> uh, expression, yeah. I, I think there's that too, and I think uh, here in North America, um, what I think happened that changed it for us, because even the family sing-along used to be a thing, Mm, that's true. But I think when you got to the 60s and the early 70s, uh, music kind of got co-opted here by the counterculture. And at mm. that point, yeah, it wasn't family anymore. It was now kind of the scary thing that those weirdos over there did. It's true. Uh, well, uh, I wouldn't go to that extreme. Uh, I would say it still remains an expression. Mm-hmm. expression of the self please understand there are certain parts of the world where the societies have developed the, or more on an individualistic more on an individualistic uh, fashion in a sense where individual um, uh, uh, processes are celebrated where um, um, you achieve certain things and uh, so the families it became more and more nuclear. That is why you have mm-hmm. us whole uh, dance routines and uh, various new subcultures which have come into the play, um, which are very, very individualist, uh, individualistic. Whereas in our part of the world or uh, where I come from, originally come from, you will find uh, till date the nuclear structure is 
more of a, uh, a joint family structure. Mm-hmm. As a result, anybody in these societies who is getting married, it's not possible that the family doesn't get together and have those all kind of uh, songs. And they actually mm-hmm. dance. And there is a whole uh, tradition till date. Um, uh, uh, recently, my uh, nephew got married and uh, everybody was dancing. And when I said dancing, not drunken <laughs> that would be the North American way <laughs> yeah. of doing it. Yes. Uh, no, I wouldn't really go that far. Uh, I think you're running down North America a bit too much. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, you must understand these are cultural nuances, and uh, uh, every culture has its own way. Uh, yes, uh, yeah, please understand there are people who get drunk uh, in India too, and a whole lot of other societies where you're not supposed to be getting drunk at all and do all kind of crazy dances. Um, so, uh, no, I, I wouldn't really go that far. But, uh, yes. Um, the, the, these people and, and they're professional dancers right hmm. so uh, yes. that's it mm. okay yep so I have a so to, to moving on so what are the major genres of Indian television like is there an actual is there an actual musical TV genre like you see people doing the, the singing and dancing thing on TV as well and like dramas oh yes of course uh, these are nowadays dubbed as reality shows uh, okay. <laughs> what happens is uh, you have like Big Boss, you have uh, um, on the same format, you have these uh, competitions which are happening where people uh, mm-hmm. come together, they would sing and compete. Um, so, um, um, in, in the, and in India, remember, like any other part of the world, uh, every, mm-hmm. every every culture has subculture groups. So we have various uh, forms of music and different expressions of music. So they have uh, each of these uh, uh, people uh, have these musicals and um, generally what happens it, it the flavor of the day depends on uh, what is happening because uh, remember you cannot be divorced from what is happening in the society at that time right. so if, if it's independence day so you, you have to be jingoistically patriotic and sing right. all those kind of songs uh, otherwise if it's a uh, uh, valentine coming up or indian version of valentine so uh, they would be doing romantic songs and so on and so forth and they right. all participate so the musicals are there very much there uh, they, they are in form of reality shows and of course we want to see people crying because they're lost and uh, that's where the big money is uh, <laughs> of course so a small child they'll get somebody who's nine year old and mm-hmm. can sing fabulously but is pitted against uh, say uh, seasoned classical uh, singer right. so obviously this nine year old is going to lose for god's sake He's, <laughs> there's no way he can win but they're going to play it and pitch it uh, pitch him against the other guy and make the other guy look the culprit and the whole audience is going to go against him so there will be uh, popular right. popular voting and uh, that, that's the commercial class commercialization but mm-hmm. the genres are very much the same uh, drama you will find uh, we apparently are no different from the rest of the world like you had mm-hmm. dynasty running for I believe the generations changed in terms of viewers, yes. but the show never changed. Or you had the <laughs> right. ball and the beautiful, or uh, what was it, the other one? Not uh, As the World Turns? Yeah, or, uh, or Vampire Diaries and so on and so forth. So we have, uh, we don't have Vampire Diaries yet, but mm-hmm. we have uh, uh, serials from the mythology. 
mythological characters are very very popular right. uh, so quasi historical is the best i can come up with for the term right. because mythology does not really become history uh, uh, so we have those um, which are very very popular then the another thing is social drama where mm. uh, we want to see how a woman alone stands up and fights the society and how and as it it's very popular so we have margaret atwoods all around and mm-hmm. uh, it was so um in that sense the only thing that perhaps is not generally mm-hmm. accepted on indian television now when i say generally uh, uh, indian television it's a mathematical uh, aggregate right it's course. not really truly representative uh, so what happens is if you have a certain live in relationships uh, you mm-hmm. have open um open approach to sex when i say right. sex i mean either way heterosexual or whatever uh, yes. uh, so those entire indian population is not comfortable sitting with mixed population in a sense yeah. age groups father may not feel very comfortable when watching it with a son or a daughter and right. so forth mm-hmm. so yes those sensibilities exist mm. it does not mean they do not want those issues to be addressed right so uh in that sense the americas have really gone beyond uh, what they have been able to acknowledge it they have been able to bring it out into the fore and in india we are still struggling and we do not know what is the right way to bring it out into the fore so many brave uh, indian film makers and uh, drama uh, uh, playwrights have brought up these subjects tackle these subjects uh, not every time they're successful but then there are some but most of the time mm. we like to do it behind the veil so mm. the references have to be oblique rather than dark right right so, uh, and that high brow and low brow cultural dif- uh, differences continue like any other place yeah right okay mm-hmm. yeah cuz those kind of issues it it when you think about it here in like north america um that kind of stuff we only started dealing with uh the 70s going into the 80s so that's really not that long that you could deal with with i guess the non-traditional non-straightforward conservative kind of issues here as well yep uh, uh, that's uh, i mean uh, i totally agree with you on that uh, and uh, in india uh, again since uh, we are talking uh, trying to address um, you are trying to bring what is happening in uh, in india to the western to the north american your, your client, uh, audiences uh, mm-hmm. uh please in many way it's a repressive society and a male dominated society till date that's how it remains mm-hmm. uh, uh i'm not denying the fact that uh, this is so unique about india there are no glass ceilings and floors for in american society and so on and so forth no i'm not talking of that uh, what i'm saying is india dominantly remains a male aggressive uh, male dominated society it is authoritarian it is uh, <clears throat> uh largely speaking i'm not talking mm. of cosmopolitan liberated areas um the um so what happens is we are not very sure when we are dealing with these issues how do we bring them out mm. so there is this old struggle 
which is going on. So as a result, you will find this uh, clash of idea, ideologies. Uh, many of these, uh, one of the Indian cinema was Aaj Raj, and uh, it was uh, about three generations of people, and, uh, and one of the very famous actor was there who played the role as grandfather, father, and son. Uh, <laughs> it, it basically shows how there is an ideological clash in these three generations. And this, unfortunately, this film was about is about, I think, 40 or 50 years old if not more and uh, the issues continue to plague our society Hmm. so uh, that is there then there is another very important issue which uh, in India we have not been able to address is uh, to uh, we have made the uh, deprived and uh, insignificant people totally invisible Mm. Uh, and there are filmmakers, there are playwrights, there are poets, there are all kinds of people who are trying to bring uh, cases of this sort to the fore, but then we have not really been able. So there is a whole section of Indian society, especially from the tribal part of the world, um, our world, uh, which has been deprived and remains deprived. So, uh, and nobody wants to really care about. That does not mean that there are uh, not many uh, people who are not interested in taking up their causes, but then they are in minority. Uh, Whereas uh, liberation, liberty, which came to the old world much earlier, uh, you will be very surprised uh, um, universal suffrage and voting rights to women comes to other parts of the world um, before then it comes to UK, the Europe and the Americas. Uh, Yet today, America has, uh, when I say America, I mean the West, uh, I'm sorry, Uh, the West has really progressed in leaps and bounds Mm -hmm. in terms of personal liberty, protecting that liberty, uh, whereas uh, certain traditional societies have held back and they are not sure how much to let it go. And there is a resistance. And Mm -hmm. remember, uh, nobody likes change. So Mm -hmm. whenever there's a change management uh, which has to be brought in, remember there are people who are going to resist it. So uh, this resistance is on. And that's another, uh, I think you'll find this is another theme which reoccurs in many Mm -hmm. of our media uh, artifacts or or shows or Mm -hmm. whatever is the media output. Right. In many different mediums. Yeah. Interest. Now, for for the uh, I guess we'd say uh, here the non-mainstream kind of folks, are there like independent or underground like media in India that gets any kind of attention from the public? Oh yes. Oh, of course, yes. Uh, uh, it's not all dark out there. The sun does rise and. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, there, there are a whole lot of uh, forums there and there are a whole lot of people and different media addresses different consumers. Um, uh, so the consumption is happening at all levels. The, you're talking under, uh, underground, uh, there is a whole Naxalite movement. Um, uh, there is this whole um, uh, tra- tribal movement uh, from different parts of India uh, where you find plays which and literature which is coming, which is... Uh, rapidly uh, anti-establishment when I say uh, and uh, people do listen to it people do subscribe to it and uh, I'm one of them um, the, uh, uh, my, my, my background is such that I'm from a Bra- my origin is from Brahminical society which is supposed to be one of the uh, functionally the top-notch um, 
priests of us in the society and you know what priests have mm-hmm. enjoyed and mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, i have been consuming whole lot of literature which is anti brahmanical mm-hmm. so uh, yes there is um, uh, underground cinema there is underground uh, music there is underground literature which is happening there is art which is happening um, art and craft so yes there is um, but i really don't know much because i've been cut off from india for quite some time now mm-hmm. uh, so mm-hmm. i can't give you the contemporary situation as of now but from what i see on the facebook mm-hmm. is phenomenal so that and they, they, that underground movement is becoming a rather is beginning to threaten the mainstream mm-hmm. uh, whether it is the kashmir issue and the the political play uh, politically inspired plays or uh, satirical sh- uh, shows which are coming up on uh, telangana uh, uh, northeastern regions of india and so mm-hmm. on so forth so there is a very strong movement uh, which um, exists uh, has it become substantial no but it has become audible yes it uh, people are beginning to notice it even when they don't want to uh, notice it they are being forced to notice it so there is this whole movement uh, so yes there is hope mm-hmm. so it's not that's good yep well okay that's that's good to hear it's good that <laughs> there's different voices out there and i'm sure that that the internet in india has probably also produced uh, some radical social change as well i mean social media must be affecting india just the same as it's affecting the rest of the world yes india has the one of the uh, second largest uh, consumer uh, internet uh, subscribers in the world um the uh, we have we rank after china number 2 of course yeah. uh, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, the number of households um, who have access to people who have access uh, the figures mm-hmm. can be slightly misleading so uh, when you see households that have access maybe uh, a limiting factor but the way mm-hmm. th- these people seem to have through parlors and so on and so forth uh, coffee houses they have access to internet all the time now with the uh, whole mobile technology uh, the revolution right. has really occurred uh, today i can read about uh, what government forces have done in certain area uh, mm-hmm. and uh, what the actual figures are in terms of uh, t- people who were massacred killed or whatever uh, in a far more authentic and and it's really fast thanks to mm-hmm. uh, this internet uh, so in a sense yes things are happening Mm-hmm. and internet has changed uh, you you will be surprised there are a whole lot of blogs um, which openly right uh, at times i think they are a bit too maybe too open <laughs> uh, no not no 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 i wouldn't say too open i think they uh, i think they're brazenly uh, blind to the other side ah mm. okay. okay partisan yeah it's very partisan and uh, so uh, uh, the very fact that partisan is still surviving means uh, there is an expression alternate expression which is there and there's a platform uh, which is mm-hmm. a good sign uh, it's uh, uh, and uh, there are a whole lot of things which are secessionist in nature which means mm-hmm. the rise of nationalism so right. uh, so the, there is a the whole turmoil and this whole pot is coming to a boil i don't know how it will whether it will go the russian way the ussr way or will it go cement its roots firmer i don't know but things are happening 
So in India right now, there's movements for India to to break up into smaller countries. Then I wouldn't say that, but again, the, uh, there is definitely a movement uh, which uh, is demanding individuality. For example, you have uh, we know that there is a northeastern part. We know with what about the Kashmir. We know about right. uh, uh, what is called uh, Ilam. Tamil Ilam, which is uh, so, there is a movement which is on. Uh, the political right. aspirations uh, need to be fill, fulfilled, and uh, whether it will go and disintegrate into smaller countries, which I personally doubt, uh, because I hope mm-hmm. there will be somebody sensible uh, coming and taking hold of the reins in New Delhi, and once such person lands up, uh, it will, the countries will be saved. They don't have to go the USSR and uh, Yugoslavia okay. way. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, that would be very messy if they did. Yeah, would be extremely messy. Okay, so um, let's move things to a slightly more cultural note in a way. So um, the Americans, of course, have their westerns that they are famous for. I imagine westerns were shown in India as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the Japanese have their like samurai stories and such. So, what kind of popular historical action adventure um, heroes do you have in India? Like, are there, is there a particular genre that we don't have here in the West that you have in India about, like, you know, maybe historical heroes or semi-quasi-historical heroes doing great deeds? Robin, uh, you really, you, you teach literature and uh, <laughs> uh, you know it very well. There are four basic classifications where the world, uh, uh, all the genres and subgenres come from. So there mm. is nothing very peculiar about However, uh, in terms of um, cultural expression, we have certain mythologies. Uh, we mm. have certain uh, figures who figure Krishna is one of them. Right. Uh, uh, so like you have your own uh, westerns. Right. Uh, we have uh, uh, the whole war game which is on and through the, how a, a able general should be able to and what he's supposed to do for the people and what is supposed to what is the definition of a man. Right. Uh, and now the problem in is when we translate the word Purush into English, uh, yeah. which is male or a man, uh, the meaning is lost. So there's no transliteration. Okay. Uh, here, the uh, man is a person, is, the value of man would be, is not the sex part alone, but how he thinks, mm-hmm. how he administers, how he uh, takes his vows seriously and his uh, um, uh, role in society. Very right. Something like Oedipus. Uh, so right. so um, um, we have Ram, we have Krishna, and we have uh, Sita and Sati. So these are the four characters you will find who tend to dominate uh, many of our uh, quasi-historical mythological uh, genre which percolates. And we change, uh, of course... The, mm-hmm. uh, the situations and try to portray them. So that is what we have. Um, the, what the uh, rest of the world sees is uh, a mythology where the arrow is shot by, uh, leaves the bow of, uh, bow of uh, a particular character and takes 500 years to reach the other place and it transforms the whole lot of things. But there's rather symbolic in nature. <clears throat> Right. Okay. Uh, so, uh, what is really happening is uh, 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 with the emotions, how this person is reacting. Uh, so, how mm-hmm. even the art of warfare is not divorced from your psyche. Uh, 
Right. Uh, <clears throat> then uh, the very fact you have chosen uh, and gone the way to pick up arms and uh, um, you, you're fighting also reflects your inner conflict. So uh, this is what you will find in some of our mythology. And these are the characters which are very, very uh, common. In Otherwise, uh, it's music. Even our, many of our plays tend to have a lot of music. Uh, and uh, whether it's mythological in nature, whether it's historical in nature, whether they're social in nature, song, dance and drama is always there. And we are, we, always there. And we are very melodramatic about it. Right, right. Well, here's a related question. Do you, does India have any science fiction programs? Do you, have you, is that a genre that's actually popular in India or that Indian people have uh, been interested in? Okay. <clears throat> Answer to it is yes. Uh, remember, the India is not isolated from the rest of the world. Right. So, um, the, when, um, uh, we had, uh, I don't know if you remember, Excel 5 Thunderball. Uh, yes. uh, or, or, or we had uh, when the sleeper wakes, Edgy uh, Wells and so on and so forth was coming. There were similar um, uh, series being made in India, of course, much later though, not at the same right. time. So uh, we have had uh, various science fictions. But these science fictions have remained more or less an imitation, mm. a caricature of the, the Western themes. Right. So in that sense, uh, but we do have uh, some of our mythology mm -hmm. uh, has a whole bit of science fiction in it. Mm, right. uh, so um, we have people coming in from different worlds. They have people who fly to different, uh, use a whole lot of a different technology to communicate. Right. So um, I would say... Uh, it's it, it's it, it's a whole parcel. It's a whole package deal that comes in mythology. Mm -hmm. But uh, right. the, for example, um, you have this uh, uh, Captain Kirk, the famous uh, Star Trek. Star yes, Trek. the famous. Uh, series, we, yes. we we never developed a show like that. Huh. Right. So in that sense, you would can say we don't have. But in reality, we mm -hmm. do have in a different fashion. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. uh, and and the popularity of Star Trek in India. Um, or uh, Lucas, what was this thing called? Star Wars, Star Wars. Yes. Um, yes. Shows that uh, there is a market for it. And that market mm -hmm. is being catered by Hollywood at the moment. And right. So. Well, there's a the famous British show as well called Doctor Who. Oh, very popular out there. Very, very popular. <laughs> uh, so Doctor Who? I, I grew up on that. <laughs> oh, okay. So you, so you did actually get, so you did grow up watching it in India then. I don't know, Robin, uh, what's your image of India? India is connected. India, I know, I know. Uh, and uh, India, uh, rural, you must understand the cosmopolitan uh, India, uh, the, the rural India and uh, suburb, uh, urban India. Uh, they have different degrees of connectivity. Right. And uh, the, a lot of these shows came to India and they were dubbed in regional languages. Right. So uh, that made them more accessible to the public. And uh, because uh, instead of people who didn't know English uh, or would understand mm -hmm. English found it very difficult to follow it. So a lot of, right. in, initially I remember a lot of Hollywood cinema, uh, uh, well, Jackie, what was this guy, uh, Enter the Dragon. Even oh, the, you mean Bruce Lee? Lee? Yeah, even Bruce Lee, many of his films came as uh, dubbed in Hindi, uh, various languages, not just Hindi, a whole lot of, we got a huge amount of uh, vernacular languages so uh, 
so the consumption was happening but what happened was it also fueled because we have a very strong uh, film industry of our own uh, we don't have a very strong television industry we uh, but we do have a very very strong uh, film industry so as a result um, uh, these people uh, when the shows came from west uh, it indirectly fueled growth and development mm-hmm. in our own film industry Hmm, right. uh, yeah. Well, you have the world's largest film industry in India. Yeah. The, the Bollywood is the world's largest. There's no question on that. Yeah. No, no. I will talk of connectivity. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but, but no. But so, so, so. Well, I assume that that, for example, if uh, Bruce Lee films are popular when they come to India, I would assume that there are. There are Indian kung fu films, I would imagine, or Indian martial arts. Oh films. yes, there is. From uh, uh, allegedly, um, the martial arts are supposed to have started in uh, Kerala. Yes. Kerala, so Kalori Petam, yes. as it's called. So you have a lot of regional cinema uh, with that art form or, or around that art form too. Uh, so maybe that answers your question of westerns. So uh, yes. you have that and. Uh, uh, we have uh, Kalori Likewise, we have other martial arts. Uh, Recognized, mm-hmm. not so recognized, not major, not so major, uh, uh, and uh, they continue to exist. Right. Uh, yes. Yes. I remember. I. I. Uh, martial arts cinema is something <laughs> that I'm fascinated by. So yes, I do know that martial arts came to China from India. So in a way, we've we've it all it all comes from India in the beginning anyway. Oh well, yes, of course. But then uh, remember, we 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 still. Uh, we would love, we do claim that we are the f- grandfather of all martial arts, but then that's where the claim ends. Um, uh, <laughs> we, uh, but we are very fond of uh, Chinese and uh, Jackie Chan is a big, mm-hmm. yes. big draw in India. We love his films and uh, the very fact his films are uh, dubbed in a whole lot of languages uh, mm-hmm. means uh, there is a huge market for it. Mm. Yes, definitely, definitely. Okay, well, that, that does answer my question. <laughs> so I guess, I, well, yes, that's because I because I was going to ask you what. Um, so when you were a boy, what was like? What were your favorite TV programs when you were growing up? Oh, when I was growing up, I loved Lucy. Mm-hmm. Uh, re- remember, Indian cinema, uh, Indian television is uh, not so old. Uh, it's mm-hmm. 1992, practically, and 1984, really? uh, 1991, when it opens up to the international players, and uh, with the Asian Games, 1984, if I got my dates right, uh, that we have mm-hmm. the major happening, and the first TV commercial was Hamlog. Otherwise, it was state-controlled. Mm. Uh, oh, I see. And um, sorry, you were saying something? No, no. I, that's that's interesting. So, what kind of pro- so how did things change once the so when it was controlled by the state? Was everything very just humdrum and not very important, kind of a little bit dull, or did the state actually produce good content? Uh, see, the thing was uh, when you are being paid and you don't have to do anything extraordinary to survive in the market and you're assured mm. of your income, nevertheless, uh, <clears throat> the chances are the creativity might suffer. So this was right. one of the criticism against the state-controlled television that we had. Um, uh, not that things have dramatically improved uh, with the privatization. Um, mm. Content has become crassly commercial. Uh, <laughs> but yes, the fact remains uh, a lot of creativity uh, when the, as the, this whole uh, bouquet of uh, channels burst on Indian scenario uh, came up. Uh, you find that a uh, lot of people who were not getting a chance. Remember, there was only one channel. 
that right. to, uh, uh, used to be aired for a certain limited uh, hours. Initially, it was for one hour. We went on to four hours and uh, nine, eight hours were in four, four cities, Bombay, Calcutta, Madras, I think. Uh, Delhi, uh, Bombay, Calcutta, Delhi, and uh, yeah, that's four. Um, so... Um, mm-hmm. Now, with so many channels, we have a huge, huge number of channels. I, I believe today they close at a rate of four channels a day. Oh, my. And, uh, it, and there, there are new channels which are like seven channels a day coming in. So that means on a average, we have a super saturated market in all languages. So what is happening is there is a platform available for a whole lot of creative expression. And those people are getting chances. Um, so, it's good. so it's good. It, yeah, it's good, you know, in that sense. And that, so you've gone from one channel to a literal universe of channels. Wow, oh. that must have been a huge cultural shift. Oh, it's a paradigm shift. Uh, it was really Elvin Toffler's uh, cultural shock. Uh, I still remember when uh, Star, uh, t- that is Murdoch, uh, came into India. Uh, mm-hmm. And they started showing shows like um, Bold and the Beautiful. Uh, or uh, they had another one which was... So uh, what what was happening was when the first Star, War, uh, Star, Star Channel started, which was the first uh, international uh, Murdoch's channels in India, there was a big right. culture shift. All this while we had this woman who's uh, properly clad from top to bottom and who for whom, if she's unmarried, father is the central figure. And uh, once uh, she gets married, uh, the husband is the central figure. And in between, if she had a love affair, love affair has to be such a pious affair that it should be mm-hmm. should almost look like religion. Hmm. Right. From that uh, um, uh, form of, of general acceptance to a woman who makes a choice for herself. Um, mm-hmm. So when they saw Bold and the Beautiful and uh, people right. were scandalized. They had mm-hmm. no idea. And then there was this fashion television. I remember uh, there were a whole set of politicians, which I wouldn't like to name at this point of time. Some of them are friends uh, who went on rampage and they had this fashion television they said was porn television and was against Indian uh, cultural ethos. So it was a very big cultural shock. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. And today they have started accepting it. So, um, so it was a huge culture shock when you went from government TV to just commercial television. And it stands, so it's obviously still affecting Indian society. You're still figuring out how to deal with it. Yes, and yes, yes, you're right. You can say that to some extent. Uh, we're trying to figure out. Uh, but unfortunately, this connects it's like a vicious circle. We're back to the point where we started with. What has happened is with uh, at one uh, when it was state control, they decided what they wanted to show. But since it mm-hmm. was state control, they could afford to pump in money because it was a more of a socialist cause. And mm-hmm. what they, if they thought this artist is a wonderful person and so therefore money should be spent and film be made or a drama, right. a TV drama be made or what or radio show, they would spend that money and you could see some uh, good work. Uh, but now what has happened is everything is, will it bring me my bucks back? How much will those green bucks come back? Uh, so that has also become so. So there, there is a give and take which has happened. So um, today we are very, very commercial. Today we have started copying serials, which uh, like uh, I 
went to India, there was a show mm-hmm. called uh, Saas Bhi Kabhi Bahuti. That means even Saas means the, grand, uh, the mother-in-law herself was a bride at one point of time. That's what it translates uh, loosely. Mm-hmm. It had started, the show had started. And I revisited India uh, after two and a half years, I think. Mm-hmm. I could have sworn this is exactly the next episode <laughs> from the one that I saw last time. And, and there's a gap right. of two and a half years. So uh, that kind of uh, programming has also been happening. And, yeah. uh, and then, then came in FM. FM right. The FM uh, brought a new lease of life to uh, radio which was beginning to die other than community radio which has been on uh, which is surviving pretty well in India um, <clears throat> FM but then again FM became song and dance and uh, just just total commercial and even the news is what they want us to consume whether we should okay. build a wall which is 40 feet and who should pay for that wall that kind of stuff really right mm. okay huh. All right, so Dawn, any uh, other questions that you had? Uh, I don't know. I think we've kind of hit a lot of the, uh, uh, the, the, the big points. It's always interesting to see how things like work uh, in some other part of the world because you sort of get, yes. get tunnel vision living in like, your own place and you start to think that that's the, the only way things work. Um, mm. I think it's interesting that you talked about the... Um, the, the media, how, how you're seeing smaller and smaller numbers of people controlling what more and more people see. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you think talking about, um, talking about different, uh, different companies making inroads different places that, yeah, globally you're starting to see a smaller number of viewpoints because it's these big giant companies that they own the news and they own the TV companies and they own the, uh, the, the movies and that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, media con- media consolidation, right? Yeah. I mean, it's global media consolidation that's happening all over the world. Yeah. Yes, it is. And uh, and remember, Marshall McLuhan not uh, not long ago uh, mm-hmm. uh, in his report talks of neo-colonialism. This is what is mm. happening, and uh, mm. we have this uh, kind of uh, unipolar homogeneous culture which is being perpetuated uh, at the cost of uh, some of the vernacular endemic cultures which had evolved we have lost that many of the art forms have been lost world over a lot of yeah. aborigine first nation whether whichever mm. part of the world we have lost a lot in scripts have been lost so uh, uh, and the media has a role to play and mm. me- media is not there just to entertain Many times, remember, I still firmly believe in, I was, a, my generation is the generation which was brought up and media was considered to be a watchdog. This whole watchdog mm-hmm. theory was very, very important and was still a socialistic and somehow the socialistic word and socialism has become a taboo in most of the West, but that's the West gave us that. And uh, mm-hmm. it's very, very important. Media can make a big difference here. You know, we have to play the watchdog so that uh, People can be controlled. But the problem is the forums, the microphone, the whole medium is owned by somebody else. Yeah. We, we have just a notion of being free-willed. So Thomas Hardy, the Hardy and free will, eminent will, we, within the compounds of the four walls, in, they're given a small 
hanky of a space, a uh, handkerchief where we think we can go around and do whatever, but we are still being controlled what we have to say, when we have to say, and what we don't have to say, how we have to say. So, um, but the only saving grace maybe is the new media. The very mm-hmm. fact what you're interviewing, your, your podcast is a very good example. Uh, uh, it is a forum where a lot of people can say different things, whether we agree or not. Uh, but nevertheless, they can say it and people are listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but one point I wanted to make is, uh, don't uh, to uh, your initial question was um, the difference between India and the rest of the world, uh, Americas to be more precise. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, technology. Mm is very, very different and uh, the uh, investment, the scale is very, very different. So so when the film is being made, say, let's take uh, Hollywood is a very pri- good example. Uh, when they make an average film, remember the film amount of money that was spent in making a matrix was much mm-hmm. more than what Indian government spent on sending that, lo- that mission to Mars. Mm. <laughs> So, so that 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 itself shows the scale of operation. Number one, number two, uh, what I'm very very impressed. This does not mean uh, there are nobody in India who's professional, but I like general ambiance of professionalism. People mm-hmm. seem to know what they're doing and everybody's doing without being told what they have to do. Uh, right. Very very professional about. Uh, whereas in, since we are growing and we are still a kind of a family family approach where everybody can say anything to anybody and everybody. So uh, that's how we work there. Uh, Too much of interference. Um, Maybe um, there is a crass uh, interference on part of politicians, what should be said and what not said. So um, uh, a lot of TV channels, uh, media outlets are owned by these politicians, um, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure is somewhat similar if not exactly the same in uh, Americas like uh, we have our own version of Fox in Mm -hmm. India too so um, uh, but professionalism technology is two deciding Mm -hmm. factors Mm -hmm. not the talent Uh I don't think there's any difference in talent uh, in terms of creativity, I think there is no difference. So we have had our own share of people who are brilliant, whether you call them journalists, whether they call them photographers, cinematographers, musicians, uh, whatever you want to call them. Uh, so there's no dearth of this. But professionalism mm-hmm. and uh, maturity of an industry, which will come as we stabilize. Hmm. Right. Hmm. I can see that. All right. So I think we're we're uh, reaching the end of our time for today. So, um, RN, I would like to thank you very much for coming on. Um, This has been really enlightening. It's been fascinating to hear about the differences between the different systems and your takes on things and how you see the world. Well, thank you very much for having me, Robin and Don. Uh, It was a pleasure being there. And uh, I wish I may, I I hope I made some sense. Uh, you definitely did. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, de- you, de- you made a lot of sense. Actually. <laughs> okay, um, you're being very polite. Thank you very much. Thank you. And so to our audience, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, tune in next time when we'll talk about something that you will not believe. It will be absolutely amazing. And you'll find out when you tune into the next episode of the Department of Nerdly Affairs. Possibly, Good night, folks. Possibly involving Wookiees. Possibly, yes. <laughs> oh, I'll be listening. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to hear more or join the conversation, come visit us at obeythedna.com. You can also find us on iTunes or whatever fine podcast site forgot to lock their back door. So until next time, remember that to master the nerdly arts takes time, practice, and enough Coca-Cola to drop a rhino. See ya! Yeah.